Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. Please stand for the reading of the message as you are able. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I've selected a poem from The House of Belonging by David White, and this is entitled Working Together. We shape ourselves to fit this world, and by the world are shaped again. The visible and the invisible working together in common cause to produce the miraculous. I'm thinking of the way the intangible, intangible air passed its speed round a shaped wing easily holds our weight. So may we in this life trust those elements we have yet to see or imagine and look for the true shape of our own self by forming it well to the great intangibles about us. Will you pray with me? Holy God, whether it is through me or in spite of me, may your word be proclaimed on this day, and all those who hear it find their hearts changed beyond their imagining. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. So having had a week off, I've had a lot of time to think and ponder. And for those of you who don't know me well, I am a serious ponderer. I can spend lots of time just sitting and thinking. Drives my grandkids crazy. What are you doing, Grandma? Thinking. What are you thinking about? Things? Well, what kind of things? And they want me to be very specific, but they don't understand that my mind doesn't work that way. It sort of is all over the place. But when I was thinking about this imagination and imagine ourselves being more than what we are right now, it kind of takes me by surprise. We think in concrete images and we try to be really specific about what it is that we want to see happening next. I don't know about you, I'm a list maker. I make lots and lots of lists. 
If I'm packing, I make a list of what I'm taking with me. If I'm coming home, I have to do the same thing in reverse. If I have a lot to do, I set it out every week, day by day, even though I keep a calendar. Unlike some people in my family who keep a calendar and never look at it, but you know, I'm very organized that way, and it's almost compulsive. My granddaughter, Emily, who you will hear lots and lots about, but Emily says, Grandma, what would happen if you lost your list? And I said, life would go on. I would remember parts of it because the writing it down helps me to remember certain parts of it. But there are times that there will be things on a list that are really important, and without having it written down, I will forget altogether. And sometimes that can be pretty bad if you forget to do something really important. She said, I guess I'm not as important as you are, Grandma, because I don't have anything that if I forgot to do it, it's going to make any difference to anybody else. And I said, that's not true, Em. You just don't have lots of different things to do and you're not distracted all the time. And she said, I have to think about that. I said, aha, I've made my point. <laughs> you have to think about it. But we have trouble in church trying to imagine what things could look like if it was different. I remember going to my very first church. It was two churches, actually. But I went to the churches and I said, what happens on Christmas Eve? And they said, oh, it doesn't matter. You do whatever you want. I learned my very first Christmas serving a church, that that is not true. You don't get to do whatever you want because there are traditions that are ingrained in a congregation that you always do those things on Christmas Eve. And adding something new sends them into a tailspin and they don't know how to think. It can't possibly be Christmas Eve if we don't all stand around the outside and hold hands while we sing Silent Night. So I asked the question, what do you do with the candles? Well, we put them out before we sing. Okay. But what would happen if you couldn't do church on Christmas Eve? What would happen if you couldn't be with your community of faith? Nobody ever imagined that that would ever happen. Did you do that twice here? Two Christmas Eves that you weren't able to be together. Two Christmas Eves that you probably were in your living room singing Silent Night with your candle in your hand. And was it horrible? Did you find that you didn't have Christmas Eve because you weren't all together? This is one of the blessings that has come out of the COVID shutdown, is that we were able to imagine different ways of doing worship, different ways of being in community when you couldn't be face to face. 
Now, I know that there are people watching today and they're nodding their heads and saying, yes, I get it. This is the reality right now. I am not comfortable going and being with a bunch of people this minute. But I need to connect with my community. And you're part of this community, whether you're sitting here or you're sitting at home. It's important. It's important that we imagine what different things could be happening. We don't even know whether everybody who is watching from home is from Concord. Some people could be from North Carolina, or Arizona, or even Europe. People could be anywhere, and they can still watch this service and be part of this community. Imagine that. It's incredible how things have changed. I mean, I've heard people wringing their hands about when will people come back? When will we have people back in the pews? And I hate to break it to you this way, but some people may never come back and be sitting in the pews. You may never have 120 or 150 people sitting here again. But you have those numbers when you combine who is here and who is online. Your community size hasn't diminished. But just because people aren't sitting here where you can reach out and touch someone, they are still very much part of this community. And we need to imagine new ways of connecting with those people who cannot be here. What do we do? Imagine if every person who is watching online, if we had a way of knowing who they were, if we could send each and every one of those people a card saying, I'm so glad you joined us. What about looking through the list of people that you have in your directory, that if everybody came, we probably wouldn't be able to fit them all in here, but what about those people and sending cards to them and saying, you know, you can watch online. You can be part of the community. And to those of you who are at home, you could send a card to the people who are here and say, I'm glad I'm part of this particular community of faith. It means a lot to me to hear the singing and to see the children. We forget what it means to be a community of faith. We think that we are like Harold and we only have one crayon, that we only have one color to draw with, that we are people who only rely on one thing, the way we've always done it, because that's the most important thing in the whole wide world, is to continue doing it the way we've always done it. And I can tell you for a fact that the only thing that is constant is the love of God. And that will always be there. Now, I don't know if you are really into coloring, but I am. 
And when you have a one color, I would never be able to do what Harold did with his crayon. I look at these kind of crayons that come in the 64 box, and I saw one when I was shopping that there was a 128 box, and I'm thinking, 128 different colors? Whew! I can't even imagine having that kind of choice. But there's all kinds of different colors here, light colors, dark colors, bright colors, dull colors, all different kinds of colors that we need to make the fabric of the church be what it's supposed to be. And while Harold did do okay with his purple crayon, he was able to get where he needed to go in his imagination. We need more than one color. We need more than one option. We need more than one plan. We need more than one voice. If we could imagine what the church would look like if we truly heard everyone's voice, what would the church be if the least among us was able to say, this is what I need, can you hear me? What if we were willing to imagine the youngest having a voice? And what if we could imagine the oldest having a voice? We categorize people, we put them in their little boxes, and we get annoyed if they try to break out of that box. Church is going to move forward, and I'm using capital C Church, not Wesley, but if the church is going to move forward, we need to be willing to talk to the people that have not yet been heard. To talk to the people whose voices we think don't matter, because they do. We need to start dreaming God-sized dreams. And I know that that sounds like it's blasphemy, because we can't dream the way God dreamed, because we can't even imagine being able to create the way God created. But we can dream dreams that are bigger than these itty-bitty, teeny-tiny dreams that we try to say, well, we're going to try it. We we might try it. Well, it won't work. We know that, but we're going to try. We'll see. Well, there's no point in even trying it because we tried it once 44 years ago and it didn't work then, so why would it work now? And we've always done this. One of the things that I've learned in serving many different churches, not always an interim, but I've learned that every church has its own distinct personality, every church has its own quirks, every church has a Back to Egypt committee. Every single church I've ever been in says, if we could just go back to the way it was, if we could just go back to 1960, if we could just get back there, we would be fine. Remember, Israelites, in the middle of the desert, saying to Moses, boy, 
if we could just go back to Egypt, at least there we knew we were going to eat. Even though we were slaves, we knew we were going to eat. This is for the birds. And what happened to the Israelites? God provided. But the Israelites themselves had no imagination. They could only remember what they'd already done. They couldn't think of something different that might be coming. I was privileged to talk to a friend that I haven't seen since before COVID in a meeting this past week. And Aaron is part of the extended cabinet in Upper New York. And our bishop has announced his retirement, which I thought was very interesting because he's only 57, but whatever. Um, and I said to Aaron, how is that being accepted by the people that he's closest to? And Aaron said, a gift from God was vacation, so I don't know. He said, I have no idea what the reaction of others is. He said, I won't find out until Monday. And he said, yet, if we can imagine that there's going to be something new coming in the next few years, if we can only think of the possibilities and think of the fact that this is a challenge, it is not a death knell, that we are all going to be better for what happens when the denomination does finally get around to making up its mind what's going to happen, that we will all be in a better place. And Aaron is far more conservative than I am. We hope where I've been thinking that this particular annual conference is doomed. He said, it's not. And he said, I know you think I'm leaving, but I'm not. He said, I'm staying so that I can be a thorn in your side for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I said, Aaron, that's really great, but you know, your mother and I are really, really, really close friends. And she, she's still big enough to spank you. <laughs> and then we started talking about our grandkids and our kids, and we were pretty excited about the fact that he's taking his oldest daughter to college and I'm thinking about going on some school tours with my oldest grandchild so there's some things. Who's looking at Tufts? If anybody knows anything about Tufts, talk to me. But, you know, they're Im imagining what the future could look like is an amazing Think about what something could look like if it was different. Think about what life could be if we were willing to think outside the box. I remember going to seminary, now shut up, I promise, but um, when I went to seminary, there was a young man who was a year ahead of me. I'm really happy I called him a young man. Um, and he, he was doing something for our orientation. And he said, when I got to seminary, I had my God in a little box. He says, my God was very dependable because God was in a box. And he said, what happened my first year in seminary is somebody tore the lid off of that box and I found out that God was way bigger than my understanding. God was bigger than he'd ever thought of. 
that still gives me chills when I think of Doug Dean saying those words. And I thought about my own God that was in a little box. And I've learned that God won't fit in those little boxes any more than we do. So we need to let God out of the box to show us what it means to imagine something different. So let's imagine what it can do as the people of God. Amen?